Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. continue our study in uh, the book of Revelation, and we're in the second chapter today, Revelation chapter 2, and look at a few verses there, and uh, specifically at the message to the church of Ephesus. So Revelation chapter 2, and beginning at verse 1, to the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Let's pray, please. Father, again we come before you and give thanks to you for your holy word. We thank you for all 66 books in the Bible. In this book that we now read from, study from, we pray that you will be our teacher. Speak to us. And we pray, dear Father, that you would give us understanding and then help us to apply the truths contained in your word, to apply them in our everyday lives, in our thoughts, to make them a part of our prayer life, to make them a part of the choices, the choices that we make each day as we live. And as we learned in the Sunday school lesson, the opportunities that you give us each and every day while we are still here living upon this earth, may we take full advantage of those 
in the most positive way, to bring honor to you, to share your love with the lost and dying humanity. May we be gracious also in sharing those gifts and resources that you've given to us with those who are hurting and those who are lost. Speak to us now, Lord, we ask. To the honor of the Lord Jesus Christ, in his name we pray. Giving thanks. Amen. And so we, we read here in this first passage of, of the letters to the churches, this particular church, Ephesus. So we need to just briefly look at the historical background. Ephesus is located in what was referred to in the time past as Asia Minor, which is today modern-day Turkey. And it's uh, located on the western, the western coast, or was located on the western coast. And it was a major, a major seaport with a tremendous amount of trade and commerce. It actually became the capital of that portion of the, of the Roman Empire uh, at one time. And uh, the church there, and eventually several churches were, were in Ephesus, this main, this main church, it's believed, was, was first established in the 50s, AD, AD 50s, somewhere around that time, as a result of the, uh, the ministry of the Apostle Paul, and especially with his influence in the lives of Aquila and Priscilla, a, a couple that had come to know the Lord as their Savior, and they also faithfully shared uh, the gospel. And... Uh, and lived in this particular area. It also eventually became the headquarters for, for the Apostle John. John, the Apostle who, who wrote the book of Revelation. And uh, he was living there when he, uh, when he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos, when Domitian was the Emperor of Rome. And uh, John had preached the gospel very boldly and of course, uh, preached against the Roman Empire and the various things that they were doing, persecuting Christians and such. And so he was exiled to uh, Patmos. But when Domitian died, uh, John was then released and he went back to the city of, uh, of Ephesus, to the church there. And uh, it's also believed that, uh, that John was actually buried there when he, was, uh, when he eventually died. The, um, there is a famous church there, the, the Basilica of St. John, uh, the Apostle. Um, the, uh, the membership of, of the church in Ephesus was made up primarily of, of Gentiles of various backgrounds, Greeks, Roman citizens, etc., and also uh, Christian Jews. But notice here that, uh, that the speaker, of course, is the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus. And uh, it gives a description here. These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks in the midst of the seven golden uh, lampstands. So it's a description of the Lord Jesus Christ consistent with what we read in the first chapter uh, in the previous week. And he, he gives them a commendation. Notice they have a reputation. They're industrious. 
They're hardworking and they're knowledgeable. Now, moving on to the, the second point here, the Lord Jesus Christ dwells within his church. God is present in the midst of his people. And I've said on several different occasions, Christians will, will pray and they'll say, Lord, be with us. Well, that, that prayer has already been answered, okay? Because the Lord is with us. You follow? Now, if you're praying from the perspective, Lord, help us in the work that we do, or with that understanding, with Lord, be with us and, and with us in our plan, that's, uh, that's one thing. But understand that the Lord is always with us. The Bible teaches that we cannot be separated from him. Amen? God is with us every moment of our lives. And he will also be with us in our physical death. Because remember that the Christian goes from this life on into eternity. But notice some things here. Jesus says, I know your works. He's aware of everything that the church does. And this, this church at Ephesus and these seven churches, many different ways to, to interpret these, these seven churches. Some interpret them with the understanding that they refer to specific periods of time in church history. But also, and, and, and more practical, is that each one of these churches represents churches throughout the history of the Christian church. Because individual churches, and these, were, these seven churches were seven individual churches, and there were certainly more churches in existence at the time that the book of Revelation was written. But each one of these churches have certain characteristics about them that, that other churches also have regarding the way they conduct their business and their life and their worship and devotion to the Lord. But we need to understand that God knows everything that goes on in the church. Christ is very much aware and he is present. He is here with us today. Now notice he goes on to say, I know your works and your labor and your patience and that you cannot bear those who are evil. Now there's a tremendous amount of, of the evil in the world today, is there not? And in the U.S. you might find it difficult to, to accept that there are some people who, who, who attend church for nothing more than to disrupt it. There are people who will, who will attend a church for the purpose of disrupting a church or making trouble or aggravating people and creating dissension, those kinds of things. That is evil. That is evil. And people like that will be held accountable. He goes on to say, and you've tested You've, you've tested. Tested. Now, what is he talking about? Those who say they are apostles 
and are not. Now on Wednesday night, we've been studying, or Wednesday afternoon, I should say, we've been studying the book of Galatians. And in the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul, that, that book, what we call a book, is really a letter that he wrote to the churches in this region of Asia Minor called Galatia, which is actually in the central part of, of Turkey, because false teachers had come in to the church there and were teaching false doctrine. They were teaching heresies. They were teaching things that were incorrect, and they were attempting to undermine the message of the gospel. And people still do that today. That has been occurring for the last 2,000 years. There are those who teach things that just aren't correct. So turn to the, to the book of 1 John, 1 John. And uh, that's one of his little letters. And it's just to the left of, of, uh, of the book of Revelation. All right? Actually, just to the left of Jude. <laughs> and, but 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1. Notice what it says there. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of of error. Now we're going to come back there uh, in, uh, in a little bit, but for now we'll go back to uh, to Revelation. But notice it says that we're to test. That is, we are to to review. We're to to analyze. I believe it was last week in the Sunday school lesson I, I shared that um, when I used to uh, teach in, in school that I would share with the students that they needed to be independent, analytical, and creative thinkers. Independent thinkers. God has given you a mind. He intends for you to use that mind, not to turn it over to anyone else. And he, he's given you the, the ability to analyze. That is, to 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 break things down into their smallest parts, to understand how something works, and also to be creative, because God is, is creative, amen? And the apostle, by the Spirit of God, says that we're to test, that is, we're to, to analyze, to review, to evaluate what is being said 
how the Word of God is being taught and to prayerfully consider whether or not what is being taught or said or preached or shared is accurately, is, is actually accurate and consistent with what the Bible actually teaches. And that's what they were doing. And every church has both the responsibility and the right to ensure that the doctrine that is being taught is correct, that it is accurate. Not that it's popular. You follow? Because in, in most circles, the Bible and the truth of the Bible is not popular. It actually cuts against the grain. That's what, what John was saying. He said, those who are of the world, you follow? Those who are of the world will not accept the truth of the scripture because the desire of their life is not to honor God, but to honor self. And our desire is to honor God. And therefore, we are to stand upon the word of God. Remember that little song that the kids used to sing? The B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. I stand upon the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E, right? Yes. When all of life and all of the circumstances of life and, uh, and things are falling apart all around you, what do we stand upon? Or I should say, who is our life built upon? The rock of ages. He is the foundation of our lives. The Lord Jesus Christ. And what word do we, do we trust in? God's word. His holy word. He says, I know your works and I know that you've tested those who say they're apostles and are not. And that you've labored for my name's sake. Now this morning we talked about, in the Sunday school, uh, the opportunities that we have during the life that we live upon this, this earth. And all through the, uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, as we've been studying that, the wonderful gift and, and work is actually a gift. Labor is actually a gift that we have. It's a blessing. But that doesn't mean that it's always easy, right? It can be very, very difficult, very trying. And you can work and work and work and serve and serve and serve. And notice he uses that word labor, labor. And it's the expending of energy. They had the reputation of being hard workers. They worked hard for the name of the Lord. And they stood up for his name. And we as God's children are to honor the name of the Lord. And these days it seems that uh, that a movie, you know, won't sell tickets unless they, uh, unless they can at least take the Lord's name in vain, at least one time in, in these movies. And notice he goes on to say, you've not become weary. They persevered under trial and under difficulty. They continued serving the Lord. 
But then he goes on to tell them something else. And you see, Jesus, of course, one with the Father and God the Holy Spirit, is a God of love. And because he's a God of love, he holds us accountable. As a matter of fact, and we mentioned this in Sunday school as well, that over in the book of Proverbs, it says that the, the parent that doesn't discipline their child, the parent that does not hold their child accountable, actually doesn't love that child, but actually hates that child. It's a rather strong language, isn't it? And wherever you are in the, you know, the use of, uh, the use of uh, corporal punishment, etc., the Bible is very clear about that too. Right. It says, spare the rod and you spoil the child. That's, that comes from the Bible. And it goes on to say, in case, in case you're, you're, you're not quite clear on it, it says, and don't, don't you know, use just a few stripes. I'm giving you a, 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 a paraphrase there. And just because they're crying a lot, don't spare from, basically, from spanking them. Because in doing so, you will deliver their soul from hell. You see, the world is, is all worried about self-esteem. Self-esteem. About offending someone. And what I would see often in, uh, in the schools, so you have, you know, little Johnny, he's working. And Johnny already knows that he's not doing as well as little Susie sitting next to him. And the teacher trying to build up Johnny's self-esteem, and of course there's nothing wrong with trying to build up a person's self-esteem, but telling Johnny, oh, well, well you're, you're doing better, you're doing okay, that, that's fine. And Johnny knows what he's doing is not fine. And that teacher is not helping Johnny, really. Because when Johnny gets to high school or when he tries to go to college and he can't do the work, you follow? Jesus is a loving parent to us. And he holds us accountable. And notice what he says here. You've left your first love. Now, he's not talking about your boyfriend or girlfriend, you know, the first boyfriend or girlfriend that you had. He's talking about love for God, and, and that word first is actually primary. The Greek word protos, which means the foremost in, in, in the sense of time, place, order, or imp importance. He says, you've, you've done all of these things, and those things are good things, but the most important thing, the primary thing, you've neglected. They've grown cold. And he says fallen. But fallen does not mean the loss of salvation. He says remember from, from this, this, this hard attitude that you had, from which you've fallen, you've gone astray. He says repent. That is to, to have a change of mind and heart. And in the Jewish mindset, 
A person thought in the heart. So Jesus said, as a person thinketh in his heart, so is he. From the Greek mindset, they, in the Greeks, they said, well, we, we think in the mind. But what he's referring to is, is the core of our being. That which makes us uniquely us. At the core of one's being, we are to love God. And he says, repent. Repent. Change your way of thinking. Do the first works. And over in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, is what we refer to as the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you are to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind and strength. Jesus says, you've been busy, but your love has grown cold. Now, I want you to turn to, to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. He gives us a great example. Luke chapter 10. And beginning at verse 38. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Let me go back to Revelation. Martha was like the Ephesians, hardworking, <laughs> industrious, active, concerned about everything going on and making sure that everything was right. And she even had the audacity to go to the Lord and say, well, tell her to get up off her backside. <laughs> you know, she's just sitting there. I'm doing all this work, and she's sitting there. She ought to get up and help me. But this is another example of, of the difference between the way that God thinks and the way that we think. You see, the Ephesians were industrious. They were hardworking. He says, yes, you, you've worked hard and you persevere and you're not lazy and you're, you're involved in all of these things. All of this activity. You're industrious. But the most important thing you have neglected, love. Love for God. love, the purpose for which you are alive is to love God and to enjoy Him forever. 
And the reason that you do all of these things is for love of God. And to recognize that all of these things are gifts that God has given to us through which we serve him and benefit one another. Love. What was that song? I think it was, uh, I think it was Dionne Warwick sang it. What the world needs now is love, sweet love, right? No, not just for some, but for everyone. Yeah, love. Love. Love for God is primary. We are to love him more than anyone and more than anything. And our love for him, our love for him should be shared with others. Now he goes on to tell them that unless they repent, he's going to remove that lampstand, or in other words, the light of that church will be snuffed out. And he's talking to a church. Without repentance, the church would close. Now you know that this area has since been relatively uninhabited since the 14th century. And it actually began to decline. And starting in the 5th century to almost uninhabited. And today, today, it's an archaeologist's gold mine. Because all that are left are relics and old, old buildings. And this place, Ephesus, was a tremendous, tremendous city from a worldly perspective. One of the seven wonders of the world was located there, the Temple of of Diana or the Temple of Artemis, depending upon which language. They even had a Colosseum there that could seat 25,000 people. This is 2,000 years ago. You know all the Colosseums and everything that we that we build, you know, in the sports arenas. It's all fashioned, you know, just like Solomon said, nothing new under the sun. Okay? It's all been done before. And now it's relatively uninhabited. And that church no longer exists. There are many churches across our country and around the world. Every week there are churches that are closing their doors. And today, just like in Ephesus, there are churches who are more concerned about the doing of things than about the love of God the worship of God, the standing for truth. We are, are to be a hospital church, a hospital for sinners. You understand? The church is the, the hospital for sinners, where people come to find forgiveness, that forgiveness is found in Christ where people come to find hope. Again, that hope is found in Christ. 
to find purpose for living. And again, God is that purpose. He is the purpose for which we live. To find love, the agape love, that the self-sacrificing love, God who gave his son that we might have life and to know life in all of its abundance. Jesus says, you need to repent. Yes, you're busy. You're doing all kinds of great and wonderful things. But your love for God has grown cold. And without that love, your life will be snuffed out. Now notice, he goes on to tell them that if they repent, there are some things that happen. Down in verse 7, it says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. When an individual gives their life to the Lord, when they accept the Lord as their Savior, God the Holy Spirit comes to live and to dwell within that person's life. And churches, when churches are, are in love with the Lord and worship and serve him out of, out of love, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God guides and leads that church and empowers that church and guides that church. One of the fruits or the blessings of, of repentance is the recognition of the ministry of God the Holy Spirit, His presence, His power, His leading, His blessing in the life of not only a believer, but in the life of the church being able to hear, being able to recognize, being able to, to know Him. And then notice, we're victorious in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we read over in, in the first epistle of John, said that, that we are overcomers. Let's turn back there one more time to 1 John and to chapter 4, where we were reading there just a little while ago. John chapter 4 and verse 4. Notice he says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome. We are overcomers. Whenever you read in the scripture, and it, and it uses that term overcomers, or those who overcome, or those who are victors or, or victorious, it's referring to us. Those who have given our hearts and our lives to the Lord Jesus and have accepted him as Savior. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And there's so much in this, in this one chapter. Now notice verse 7 in that same chapter, uh, chapter 4, 1 John. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. But remember that, that God's love is a mature love. And it is a responsible love. And one thing that it is not, it's not a sentimental love. You see, we have a tendency to be sentimental. When Jesus gave them the list of things, he complimented them, but then he held them accountable. Why? Because they were neglecting love. He held them accountable. And the responsible, the mature parent, holds the child accountable, right? 
No matter what the age, there's this idea in America, oh, once they become 18, that's it, they don't have to listen to their parents anymore. Maybe from a legal sense, but not from a biblical sense. Not from a biblical sense. You are responsible to follow the teaching of your parents so long as those teachings are consistent with the scripture until the day you die. That is what is to be taught. That's not popular. But that love means that you also hold them accountable and you share the truth of God's word with them whether or not they want to hear it. He goes on. In this the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, the substitute. He went to the cross on our behalf. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And notice it goes on back to Revelation. So he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We're to listen to the Spirit of God, and we do that best when we study God's Word, because God's Word was inspired by God the Holy Spirit. God the Spirit, who has given us the Word. To him who overcomes, and how do we overcome? By accepting Christ and by submitting our lives to him, by loving God. I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Notice, we're, we're nourished by God. And for all of eternity, we'll be nourished by God. The tree of life was first mentioned in, over in Genesis, in the Garden of Eden. And God had to protect it. He put that angel with the flaming sword. Why? Because Adam and Eve chose to disobey. And the devil deceiving Eve, saying, well, now you know, did God really say that? Did he, did he really say that? <laughs> Just like people do today, being used of the devil. Did God really say that? Did God, did God really say that two men shouldn't get married? Yes, he really did. Did God really say that he'll hold you accountable for the life of an innocent child? Yes, he did. And the other whole host of things that this world wants you to embrace. And I've said it many times, and will continue saying it. Just because a law is passed does not make that activity right. Just because a law is passed does not make that activity right or moral. You see, the United States of America has also lost its way. Like this church, Ephesus. And do you think that if a church, if God would allow a church or even cause a church to close, that he cannot bring a nation to its knees? And the nation better wake up because the Lord is coming back. But notice, Fires in the West Coast, floods in the East and the South, crime all across the country. 
And I was just reading to my granddaughter yesterday in the book of Revelation, where it says, and lawlessness, lawlessness will increase. You notice that? But God nourishes us with his word, and God blesses us with his paradise. That's what awaits the, the, the child of God, the one, the one who trusts in him, the one who loves him, the one who will live for him. Paradise. Paradise, referring to heaven. You'll recall when Jesus was on the cross and, the, and one of the thieves said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What did Jesus say to him? He said, truly, truly, today I tell you, you will be with me in paradise. So what do we learn from these passages? The Lord Jesus Christ is always present. And you can read this over in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, where he tells the apostles, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And then in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, where the Lord says to us, never will I leave you nor forsake you. Doesn't mean you won't face difficulty or, or trying situations and circumstances, but God is present. Every church and every denomination has a reputation. You mentioned, sadly, you mentioned the, the Catholic Church to, to many people. What's the first thing they, they mention in response? All of that immorality that took place, all those, all those boys, kids, that were molested by the priests. The Lord is completely aware of everything His church is doing. God is aware of everything. You can't hide anything from God. Nothing is hidden from God. We, we, the church, are accountable for our beliefs and our practices. I've said this before, I'll say it again. You may have a particular opinion or a feeling about something or, or a perspective, but if your opinion, your feeling, and your perspective disagree with the scripture, guess who is wrong? Not the scripture, you are wrong. We are to be guided by God the Holy Spirit as revealed in God's word to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are victorious in the Lord Jesus Christ because he is the one who enables us to overcome. This is the message that was given to the church of Ephesus. But it's the message that is given to every church throughout the history of the church. And that last statement down there at the bottom. Give your heart, your life, your past, your present, and future to the Lord Jesus Christ today. And be forgiven, restored, and saved. God promises his paradise for those who love him. And you say, oh, you don't know what I've done and, and uh, the various things that I've done with my life and, and uh, things that I've been involved with. There is nothing, there is no sin for which you cannot be forgiven for in this life except for that sin of blasphemy, that rejection of Christ. When God the Spirit speaks to your heart and says, you need Christ and you reject him, there's no forgiveness for that. 
But everything else is forgivable. We're going to sing this hymn of invitation. It's God's invitation to you to come forward, to give your heart to him, your life to him. You come to the Lord Jesus who loves you and devote your life to him. Let's stand, please, as we sing. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.